In this episode, we're talking about how to build a highly engaged Facebook community without the dreaded at everyone tag. You're listening to JFDI with the two Lauras. This is the weekly podcast where the two of us chat about all things related to building a business as a freelancer. We're on a mission to help more social media freelancers to build profitable businesses that fund their lifestyle and work around their families. And every week we share tips, advice and inspiration about business, marketing and social media. And occasionally we have the odd rant too. In today's episode, we're talking about how we've built a highly engaged Facebook community. And if you're in there, you might have noticed that we have never once used that dreaded at everyone tag. So we're going to share what we've done and some tips and tricks so you can do the same, whether it's for your own group or with your clients. Okay, so I think it's fair to start off by saying that you and I are Facebook girls, addicts, through and through. Yeah, like we... Does that make us sound really, really old? Well, yeah, I am conscious (laughs) of that, but you know, I'm owning it. But I've done well with clients on Facebook. It was always my preferred platform with clients, and Mm. it kind of still is, to be honest. So when we set up our Facebook group, which was nearly five years ago oh my god was it yeah we are old someone said that yesterday and I was like my god five years wow um anyway uh when we set that up it it just made perfect sense for us to set up a Facebook community and I'm totally aware that there's a lot of people out there who don't like Facebook and they think it's like old news yeah but and I do think obviously it depends on your audience that goes without saying but actually I think I was talking to someone the other day about this. There's a lot of people who are quite tied to Facebook groups Mm. and therefore Facebook. So like a friend of mine has been trying to move away from social media as much as possible. And the one platform she has struggled with is Facebook because she's in Facebook groups for the kids' schools, like parent groups. She's in Facebook groups because of some health things that she's groups she's in. She's often signs up for things where the community is in the Facebook group. So it's the one platform that she keeps kind of coming back to. Mm. And I think that's true of a lot of people. And I think, like, I love Facebook and I know you do too, so maybe we're biased. And But there has been a lot of people over the years who have, or certainly I'd say the last kind of two years, have started to take their communities off Facebook. And for some people that would work and for other people it wouldn't work. And I just think... It depends how you approach your Facebook group, isn't it? It it depends what you're doing to keep that group alive, what the objective of that group is, how you want, whether you want it to be kind of peer led or led by you as a business or your client as a business. There's so many variables as to how that could work, couldn't it? But I think Mm. automatically it gives people the thoughts, oh, well, Facebook groups are just, they must be crap because people are moving away from it. But we're here to say that they're not. And actually, some of those people who we know who have moved their communities off of Facebook have come back to Facebook in the last probably like 12 months. I can think of a a few of those people who moved to like Circle, School, uh, Mighty Networks, all those sorts of people, and it didn't work. So therefore, they then came back to Facebook. And I think one of the reasons that it didn't work is because their users are so used to being on Facebook. And when you're scrolling through Facebook, you automatically see that content, right? So for example, our members in the inner hub, they will see content from our membership on Facebook without having to go and look for it, right? You're much more likely to see stuff and, and pay attention and 
you know, implement stuff and learn and have conversations. If it's there in front of your face, then you are if you have to go and look for it. Yeah. And I think the reasons that often people move away from Facebook is because they'll say, oh, the algorithm, they, my mm. posts aren't getting seen by everybody. But I don't want all of our posts seen by everybody. That would no, totally be no. overwhelming if, if they went on Facebook, like our Facebook group, our free Facebook group. It's a busy Facebook group. I can't, I should have probably looked before we recorded this, but there are, you know, loads of questions every day that are posted in there. If everyone saw everything, like it would be totally overwhelming. I couldn't cope Mm. if I saw everything and it's our bloody group. And imagine if everybody did see everything and then everybody's commenting on everything, like that just makes more and more work for us. And it's hard work running that group as it is. Yeah, yeah. just be like, no like I think the algorithm in my opinion is our friend like it's there to help us not see everything and yeah and yeah don't get me wrong when obviously people stop engaging they stop seeing everything but that's okay that's their choice I'm not going to ram the at everyone tag down their throat I can we just address the at everyone tag I think that is the worst thing that ever happened on Facebook And I think it's made people, it's turned people into lazy marketers, lazy community builders, and lazy content creators. Because instead of making really good content and going and engaging with people and having nice conversations, oh, I'll just whack this up and use the at everyone tag. And all that does is just piss everyone else off because yeah. they get yet another notification. And I've turned off so many of those notifications for groups. So like, why are you using it? It's not going to reach out everyone anymore because people are turning yeah. it off. So it's just lazy. I've turned anytime anyone at everyone's me, I just turn it off. And and that's yeah. fine. And there may be people listening to this podcast going, well, more for you, more for you for not using the at everyone because you're not going to speak to 100% of your audience. And I say, fine, I am fine with that. <laughs> like, I don't want yeah. to because I know every single person who at everyone's all the time in the groups that I'm in, not all of the content that they're at everyoneing me about is relevant to me so it pisses me off and I don't want to piss my audience off Mm. but also those posts where you have been tagged with that at everyone post I bet if you go and look on them I bet they've got less engagement than the other posts because all you've done is piss people off they're like oh for god's sake why have you tagged me yeah okay read it and then they leave and so it's much better to engage someone because they want to be engaged rather than forcing it down their throat I think Oh, I feel like we're ranting here, know, Laura. We we're really we ranting. I, I promise we have got some valuable stuff to share with you. But um, <laughs> I I consider the at everyone in the same vein as I would like people kind of cold DMing me. Like, oh yeah, don't like come, don't come to me. If I need you, if I want you, I will come and find you, and I will come and find that content. And that's exactly what I do. I've I'm in so many Facebook groups. Like the other day when we went live in our inner hub, the membership Facebook group. It took me ages to get to the inner hub group when I had to select the group because I am in so many. Yeah. And I choose to go to those groups when I have the time or a question or just bored and thought I'll go and see what's happening in it. I am an adult. I am able to make decisions. And when I need something, I know where to go when I need it. And that as a group owner is really important that people know that you're there. And also the groups with the really highly valuable content that you want to see, people will turn on notifications, just like we turn on notifications on LinkedIn or on Instagram if we want to see people's content. You can do that in a Facebook group. So it's like giving people that choice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But 
we appreciate some people want to do the at everyone. It's part of your how you want to manage your group, and that is fine. There's no judgment here. But that well, there is a little bit. <laughs> that I'm it's, sitting here judging you. It's said with love. <laughs> if you haven't listened to our episode about social media icks, go and listen to that so you understand why Laura just said that. Anyway, okay, so let's just move on. So sometimes we get asked, do social media marketers, do freelancers, do should they have their own group? So I thought maybe we could just discuss that. Obviously, we both mm-hmm. did, so maybe we're biased. But obviously, when we did, it was like, I don't know, circa 2016, 17, 18, like quite a long yeah. time ago. So time has moved yeah. on. So, But let's just have a quick chat about whether you feel, because at the time, I felt that there was a pressure that, not pressure, that's wrong, but I felt like a lot of social media managers started to create groups. So I did. And it was great. It was a great little group. And I got a lot of work out of it. So it was definitely worth it from a nurturing perspective of leads for sure whether I jumped into it for the right reasons is a whole different conversation but you had a good group as well didn't you yeah I had a good group but I did mine for different reasons for you because I had groups for other things that were non-business related so to me it was like a no-brainer to have a group for business Mm. because I knew that groups were working for other things I didn't have it on my radar at all what other people were doing in terms of groups I think I kind of had my blinkers on a bit But my group worked really well for me as well. And I did get a lot of work from it, a lot of referrals, all of that sort of thing. I've archived that long, long ago now. But I do, I think if you're thinking about, you know, whether or not you should have a Facebook group or a community anywhere, I think you need to have a good reason. Like what is actually the purpose of it? And who's going to be in that group? You know, what, what do you want to get out of it? There's no point in just starting a group because you think everyone else is and the two Laura's have said that it worked for them. Like what actually is the purpose? Is it a free group, for example, where you're just going to have anyone allowed to join and you're going to be there hanging around answering questions? Or is it like part of a lead magnet where people can only come in if they've had something from you? Or is it part of a paid community? Like there's so many different reasons to have something. So I think you need to have a reason and an objective for it. Like we've got two groups, haven't we, currently? Well, actually, we've probably got loads of other groups as well that are (laughs) archived. Um, But we've got our Inner Hub members group, which obviously only paid members can go in. And we've got our free Facebook group. And both of those work very, very differently. Yeah. Both for the people in them and from like the back end perspective. And we treat them very differently, don't we? They've both got very different objectives. So if you're thinking about starting a group, I think that needs to be the first thing you think about is what is the actual objective for it? Yeah. And I think it's also worth saying that, like we've both said, you know, we did well out of our groups from a business perspective, you know, from an income perspective, but that didn't happen overnight. I think running a group, whether it be paid for or free, it takes legwork. And I do think you've got to consider the long game. So it's like, If you've got a masterclass running at the end of the month and you go, I need to build an audience. Oh, I'm going to start a Facebook group and maybe they'll all sign up at the end of the month. Yeah, you might might get a couple, but you need to think the long game. You need to think, how are you going to funnel or where in that funnel of your, you know, speaking to your audience, where does that group fit? Mm. And what are you going to deliver? What are you, you can't just put everyone in a group and expect them all to just, chat it doesn't happen trust me Mm. so you need to think about how you're going to get people to chit chat because the more people help each other the more people feel like they want to stay but there has to always be boundaries there has to be rules so it's not easy it's not an overnight thing I think you have to consider the 
that you, you are going to be putting time into growing a community without essentially seeing a return on that immediately. Yeah. And I think if the outcome of it, like if the outcome is that you want clients, you want to sell power hours, audits, all of that sort of thing, then that's very different. But if the outcome is that you want to start a membership or start a course, then I think you need to be really careful with a group because you need to be able to differentiate that. So for example, it's very clear the differences between our free group and our membership group. But if you start a free group and you give a lot in that free group, people have got no reason to come and join your membership if that's what your next step is going to be. So you need to kind of think about what are you going to deliver and make sure you're not over delivering if that is the next step. Yeah. And I think one of the best things we ever did in our free group is very, very quickly from launching that free group, and it did grow very rapidly. There weren't many free communities for freelance social media managers at the time. And it grew very quickly. And the best thing we ever did is sell early on. So people yeah. knew, look, look, yes, I'm going to come in this free group, but I am going to be sold to. And, and I did that in my group too. Did you do that in your business group? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. The worst thing, and I see this happen a lot, and I've in groups where I've, I've kind of watched with interest and they've grown a great, lovely, engaged community. And then it's like 18 months later, they suddenly say, right, we're now going to monetize this group or we're now going to launch this. And you, people go, oh, well, that's not fair. I joined because this was a, you know, and you know what people are like. And, I, you know, I was obviously fully supportive of the business owner that they wanted to to monetize it. But but the large general public won't think like that. They're obviously, people are thinking about themselves. Yeah. And so we made sure that we were selling very early on in that free group. So people knew that that's what they were to expect. And we still do it now. And if anyone's got a problem with it, we just kick them out of the group. Because at the end of the day, our free Facebook group takes a lot of manpower. It, yeah. it takes a lot of time for us to manage that group. And we can come on to that. But if so, if people are pissed off, if we might promote a lead magnet or our podcast or one of our paid products, then they can go. They're not having all of that support for free if they're not willing for us to try to... Yeah benefit from it because let's be honest there's a reason why we have that group we're not just yeah. there it's not a charity yeah so whereas in our paid group we don't sell mm. and generally speaking everybody in the our membership have probably bought everything we ever offer anyway so we don't really need to and, and occasionally we someone will ask a question and our response might be well it's in this but we don't put posts in there selling certain products that's just not what we do and in our paid group, we allow our members to kind of essentially sell to each other. We allow them to promote themselves in response to questions. So if someone says, I need help with this, we don't mind if someone comes back saying, well, do you want a one-to-one -one with me or a power hour? And it's a nice kind of community. In fact, we've got the little black book in the inner hub where people can go and find people to pay really to help them. Whereas in the free group, we don't allow that. We don't allow other people selling in there. If anyone's going to sell in there, it's us. Mm. And I don't have a problem with that. And if people have got a problem with that, then that's not the group for them. So it's important to, like, I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but if, you, if your aim for that group is to, in some way, increase your income, you've got to start that from early on so people understand that that's what's happening in that free community. Yeah. And I think coming on from that, it's all about like boundaries and rules, isn't it? So like we've set that boundary that we're going to sell in there from day one, but we've also got very other very strict boundaries and very strict rules that we kind of adhere to. 
but in both of our groups, we have that. But if we're talking about like our free community, for example, we have post approval turned on. So people can't just post willy nilly. So we're very sort of selective about what you can post in there. And if you've ever had a post declined, then there will always be a good reason for it. It will always be based on our rules because we set them out from the outset because we want people to know what's okay and what's not okay and what's expected and how we can help and all of that sort of stuff. Because we are really, really helpful in that group, but there's only so much time we've got. There's only so many times we can answer the same question without everyone else in that group just getting a bit annoyed. Whereas in the inner hub, our members community, we don't have post approval turned on. Everyone knows the rules. It's an amazing community. Everyone's really supportive of each other. So we don't need that. We don't need that kind of boundary built in because it's a community and everyone is there to help each other. Whereas free Facebook groups are kind of a bit more of a free for all, don't you think? Yeah, they definitely attract the people, like the amount of posts that we get, that which, which we just decline. Yeah. Where pe- people, and they don't even clearly understand what the group is. They're going, do you want to learn how to use Instagram? Here's my five-step workshop. You can sign up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why would a social media manager want that? You fools, <laughs> decline, decline. And obviously if people keep doing it, we just block them. So we get that a lot. And if we didn't have post-approval turn on, then that group would become a really crappy place to be. Mm. And we also have the spam filters on so we can see if people, what with certain keywords, so we can see what people are commenting. If people are kind of saying all the time, DM me, DM me, we're like, uh-uh, no way, mate. Like at the end of the day, we've grown that audience and that that community Yes, because predominantly we want to help as many social media managers as possible. And we know we have the tools and experience to do that. But also we want it to be a, you know, a nice environment for people. Mm. And obviously we want to have a, have a community that we can sell to. And we would be lying if we said any different to that. So why the hell would we spend money, time, effort building that community for other people to waltz on in there and try and sell? Yeah. You'll be thinking, but hang on, I've listened to a podcast where you say about joining Facebook groups is a way to find clients. A hundred percent it is. A hundred percent. But we always say you need to respect the rules and the owners of that group. And if you look at the rules in our group, it will say you cannot promote yourself. And that's just tough shit. So if your audience is social media managers, our group is not for you. So you have to have you have to be quite firm about that because you you know there are so many Facebook groups you go into, isn't there? Where it's just everyone's selling. There's yeah. no community. It's just like a sales group, and so I'd always leave them. I join them thinking, "Oh, this sounds great," and then I'm leave because I'm like, "Wow, I don't need all that." So you do if you're going to have a group, I would definitely be selfish about it. Why are you doing it, and what do you want to get out of it? And then you think, okay, that's my that's my goals how can I make this brilliant for my group members without compromising on your goals and that's where you can find that kind of sweet spot but you have got to put yourself first and I think some people will probably think yeah but if I turn on post approval that's going to annoy people because they're going to have to wait for their post to be approved and then maybe they won't post and blah blah blah. since we turned on post approval we have probably more posts than we did before and they're more high quality and more people respond to them and we build relationships with those people quicker. So it's it's a benefit in my mind. I'm not going to lie, we don't reply to every single post because no. that's not where our energies, no, uh, 90% of our energies need to be in our paid group because yeah, that's what that's people are paying for. But yeah. we do go in there every day. We see what posts people are posting about 
And the benefit of having place to prove on is when it's about their business, about setting up their freelance business, which is obviously our area of expertise, we want, we want to help. So we will make sure that we go and we comment and we're the first to comment, which I think is important. We mm. don't want people, we would need people to know who we are as well. Like what's the point in having a group that we don't show up in, but it's about getting that balance right. And again, you'd have to consider that as to whether yours is a free group versus a paid group and where your energies lie. Mm, definitely. There's a couple of other things that we've done to make our community like really, really engaged. And I think one of them is something that a lot of group owners forget. And it's that you need to keep at the very heart of what you're doing in that group, the reason for why people joined. And don't go off on a tangent. Like don't start a group that is about, for example, Facebook Reels, and then two weeks later, you're talking about LinkedIn because that's not why people joined. You need to remember why <laughs> people joined and give them the content that they joined for. Like if we suddenly, like we're, obviously we talk about social media management. If we suddenly started putting loads and loads of content in there about websites and web development, like no, God. people are not in there for that. I mean, it would be really bad content, but you know, people are not in there for that. So you have to kind of remember that. And I think a lot of people, when they're struggling to get that engagement going, they forget to go back to the reason of why people join that group in the first place. And what is the thing yeah. that everybody has in common that they can get conversation around and how can they bring people together with, based on that one commonality? And I think that's important just to, and I think what, like why our Facebook group has always done well is because we're very niche and I think that does work. And obviously we do talk about niching a lot, and but it just makes it easier because we know like our group is for freelance social media managers. So not social media managers, not marketing, not anything else, just freelance social media marketers. And we know obviously that there will be people in there who maybe are now employed or were in, or are employed and thinking of going freelance. We obviously know that there are slight variations to that, but the common theme is people want to have a successful freelance mm. social media business. And you know, and there's lots that fall into that. There's people who are just content creators as part of that social media on a remit. There are people who are ads managers. There are people who are pure Instagram experts. There are LinkedIn. So there's all sorts of variants in there. But the common thing is that they want a freelance business and they mm. want a good freelance business. And hopefully they know that we are the kind of no bullshit people to come and get that support from. So being as specific as possible really helps. And I think if you just set up a Facebook group for small businesses, it's going to be hard, a lot harder. Obviously, there will be Facebook groups for small businesses, but it's going to be harder to find those common themes. And when you have those common themes, that's when you, the community element starts to kick in. This is where people feel like they're understood, they're seen. They can see that other people are having the same kind of issues or problems maybe that they are. So they feel more comfortable responding and helping. Whereas when you're in a group where the conversation ranges from, you know, whether people you're getting footfall through your shop door versus whether you're getting clients for your window cleaning business, it all becomes very difficult because you don't mm. feel like you belong to that. It's like there's there's so many groups on Facebook, but if you think about there's so many like Disney focused groups, right? And those Disney yeah. focused groups are so specific because they're just talking about Disney. Whereas there are also holiday groups and they are probably far less engaged. Everyone is kind of talking about holidays in different types of places. It's much harder to find the information you want 
So if you've joined that group and then you're like, actually, I'm going to go to Disney, guess what? You're going to go and spend time in the Disney group, not in the holiday group. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're giving people a reason to join and keeping them coming back to that because of the content being so specific. Yeah. And I think, I think it's probably worth as well talking about, you know, it's all very well starting a group, calling it like we did, the Social Media Manager Hub. So obviously our target audience is in the title. So if someone searches mm. Social Media Manager on Facebook, they can find our group. So that was very strategic. But apart from just starting a group, they don't just suddenly fill up of thousands of people so you're going to need to think how am I going to get this out there like we were very lucky that our group became a like a recommended group so it was constantly being shown to people and I think because it grew very quickly in the early days so we were very lucky from that point of view but we always link back to that group so you know often on our podcast we talk about it in our intros on our lead magnets where appropriate we mention it on our emails we mention it so we're always talking about you know sometimes it's been on our thank you pages when people download a lead magnet we say right come and now join the Facebook group so we're always always talking about it and even in the early days it was all roads lead to the group like that was our main objective was to get you know grow our group and grow an amazing community right from the very beginning even when like before we had the toolkit but we didn't have our membership back then and like the toolkit would have been the main thing we wanted to wanted to sell. But still, our priority was all roads lead to the group. And so yeah. it'd be on blogs. It'd literally be everywhere, anywhere that we could mention it, that would be like the call to action would be to, to join the group. And I think that's how you need to focus on getting people into a group if that's what you want to do and grow it. And then you need to worry about kind of keeping them. So should we just talk a little bit about how we actually made it be really engaged without using that at everyone? Tags. I think there's a couple of things that we have done that we haven't kind of touched on yet. And one of them, and we get this question a lot when people are managing groups, people will say, right, I'm managing a group for XYZ client. Should I respond as me? Should I respond as the page? Should I log into their Facebook profile and respond as them? Should they respond? Like, and there's all these questions about who should respond. And so for us, and we've tested lots of different things in that group, Mm. So we had like an admin page that we tested replying from. We've had our Facebook page we've tested replying from. We've had our own pages we tested replying from. And obviously it would be different for everybody. You need to kind of test what works. For us, Laura and I, and I'm speaking on behalf of Laura at the moment, we we sometimes forget to change into the other profile. So (laughs) for us, it's natural to just respond as ourselves. And like people know that we're the two Laura's, but also it's nicer, isn't it, to get a response from one of us specifically. And then, you know, it's not it's us. It's not like some community manager. And we do manage our own group, by the way. So anytime you are having a conversation with us in the groups, it is us. It's not somebody else. But the thing to think about with that is, A, how does it make you or the client look like what do, who do people want to be engaging with? But B, if you're going to put content in the group, you want it to be seen. Right. So if you're commenting on people's posts as yourself, like your answer, your community manager, you're answering people's posts as yourself, but then you're posting in the group as the brand and the brand is never engaging. It's less likely that the posts from the brand are actually going to be seen by people because people aren't engaging with it in the group. So therefore that pesky old algorithm won't show those posts. So if your goal is to post in that group from the brand, the brand needs to be engaging. Mm-hmm. Does that make I hope hopefully that makes sense. So if we're posting in the group, we're also posting as us rather than posting as our page. 
because we know that our page posts get seen less because we don't engage as the page within the group. So definitely have a yep. think about that. The other thing that we've done with our group is we've kind of turned it into a lead magnet. We haven't really talked about that yet, have we? So although all our lead magnets lead to our group, our group actually is a lead magnet too. And if you're looking to start a lead magnet, a Facebook group is a really simple way to just get going. So the way that we've done that, and you can do this in various different ways, but as we said earlier, we're really specific about who joins our group. So we don't allow anyone to join our group. You have to apply to join our group. And then we decide whether or not you're allowed in. And we have specific questions that we ask people, don't we, when people join. And one of those is, what's your email address so that we can send people emails? Uh, Because our goal is always obviously to get people on our email list so we can communicate with you, give you more, you know, useful advice and what have you. And so one of the questions is that. So we use a tool called Group Funnels. We'll put the link for that in the show notes. Um, But if you go to the twolawyers.com forward slash group funnels, that will automatically take people's email address from those questions and add it to our CRM. We use Active Campaign, so it will automatically put your email into Active Campaign, and then we can automatically send you an email saying, Welcome to the Facebook group. It's so nice to have you, all of that kind of jargon. So it's a really good way of turning that group into a lead magnet without having to be in there all the time and going collecting people's email addresses and do it all um, kind of manually. And because we've done that, and people then get an email, telling them, well done, you know, welcome to the group. And then we're emailing them regularly. They come back to the group. So they come back and engage with us in the group because they're hearing from us in different places. So it's not just about building the great engagement in the group. It's getting, reminding people who you are and getting people to come back to the group so you can build that engagement in there as well. Yeah. And also with those entry questions, we also ask people where they are in their business at that time. So you know, are they looking to find clients? Are they looking to scale their business? And the, we're very, we're not just asking because we're nosy. <laughs> we're asking because that will help us to know the kind of people who are joining the group in regards to the kind of content that might be useful, but also it will help us further down in our kind of email marketing, uh, the products we're maybe even developing. It might help us guide where there's more of a need. So it's a great way to kind of do a little bit of market research without any effort quite frankly so it's a really useful tool for us to be able to kind of filter and make sure people get what they're looking for you know we don't want people who are looking to scale their business suddenly only wanting to find out how they find their first client it's you Mm. know so we don't want to piss people off you know and it goes back to what I was saying before about just tagging everyone with the at everyone everyone's at different stages of their business so they don't need to see everything yeah and one of the questions we ask, I can't remember exactly how we word it, but we asked, ask you, like, what is your current challenge? And quite a lot of the answers for that have then led on to being podcasts yeah. um, episodes. So it's it's not coincidence, guys. Like what you're telling us, yeah. we pay attention and then we go and record <laughs> yeah. you an episode for it. And I think also it's worth saying that, you know, that we change, we've changed those questions loads over the years. Mm. We've always kept the email. Yeah. The email is obviously the one that's been there all the time, but we've always thought depending on what our kind of current business goals are what we're trying to find out what we're trying to do so sometimes we just ask where they found out about us because obviously that's always really useful to especially when we're kind of reviewing our marketing to find out what's working and what's not working so these questions don't have to be set in stone you just need to have them that they're as strategic for you in your business as possible don't just put them there for the sake of it 
And, you know, there are there are plenty of functionalities in Facebook groups which we don't use. And it's things mm. like that. If they've answered all questions, automatically let them into the group. No, thank you. Like, we don't <laughs> do that. We review everybody because, you know, we've got people who we've chucked out and then they've tried joining again. And I'm like, I'll recognise that now. <laughs> um, you know, we... And just little things like we're really... If people don't have a profile picture... They are not coming in our group. Like, who, if, no. who are you if you haven't even got a profile picture? No, thanks. It's interesting. Like, lots of people will put, like, a dot, dot, a dot in each one. So the yeah. thinking that the automation in Facebook groups will therefore let them in because they've filled in the, yeah. the gap. Yeah. It's like, no, love. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a robot, me. Put some effort in. <laughs> yeah, people might be thinking, God, what? Like, why would you spend your time doing that? You know, there's... Surely there are better things to be doing with your time, but actually it's important for us. It's important yeah. that we get the right people and the right, if if you get like the wrong people in that group, it could totally change mm. the dynamics of the group, especially if there's like smart ass marketing. Oh yeah, bros. marketing bros, yeah. Yeah, like I think if, if we were hiring somebody to do this, we would expect them to be right on it and doing that as well. And like, you know, any business that's got a Facebook group, yes, probably one of their goals will be to have as many people in that Facebook group as possible. But I think it's that's when it comes back to you as the social media manager to really kind of rein that in and be like, yes, we can grow the group and we can have as many people in there as possible, but they have to be the right people. We have to be really strategic with the questions we're ask, asking them when they're joining. And we have to be like really clear between us about who we're going to let in and who we're going to say no thank you to. Because otherwise, there's just no point. If you want a ton of followers, you can do that on any other platform. But when it's a community, it needs to be so specific and so focused. And there needs to be a, a reason for people to join, a reason for people to stay, and a reason for people to have conversations with other people. And just having thousands and thousands of people in a group is not the way. Like those Disney groups that we were talking about before, if you had loads of people in there who hate Disney and never going to go to Disney, can't afford to it, think it's a ripoff and they're all in the group. Like how quickly is that Disney group going to change, you know? Yeah, it's so important to have a group that's managed essentially is what you're saying. Not yeah, just totally. not just kind of left to do its thing. And, mm. and like with everything, growth and the size of your audience is not the be all and end all. It's the, about the audience being the perfect people. And I know that sounds like a bit of a bloody cliche nowadays, but but unfortunately, it is so true. And so I think let's just kind of recap a little bit. So because we've had a good old, well, we haven't had a rant, but discussion about things. So let's just say people are kind of clear what, what we're saying. You have to have a group that is well managed, I think, is the kind of top line. And by that, we mean making sure that you're using the functionalities in that group that the group allows, but not all of them. So you don't have to use the things that kind of automate processes if you don't want to. And I'd actually recommend not doing that for a lot of them. Yeah. You want to have a group that is niche, as niche as possible, will make it easier for you. It doesn't, you don't have to do that, but that will make life a lot easier. And you also got to give your community what what you told them that they were getting like as Laura said don't suddenly go on you know a right hand turn and completely change because that's not what people won't stay for that yeah. and then where possible use like third party tools that are going to help you obviously you can use schedulers if that's of use to you but you can also use things like group funnels like Laura mentioned and we'll pop the link to that in the show notes and also I suppose 
the the fundamental thing is that you need to know what like what is your goal what what are you trying to do don't just set up a group because you think it'll be fun because it's it's the long game it's going to take a while it is going to take hard work and just think about the not what that group will be like when you've got a couple of hundred people, but what happens if that group grows to like tens of thousands of people? How are you going to manage that that group? And I think that's everything we've covered. Is it not? Yeah. And steer clear of that at everyone tag if you can. That would be my key takeaway. <laughs> yeah, it's not needed. Nice. Okay. Well, obviously, if you're thinking this group sounds great, uh, we will put the link to the sh- in the show notes to join our free Facebook group. But if you're thinking, well, the paid group sounds even better, you can come and check that out as well. We'll also put the link in the show notes, but it's the two laurascom forward slash inner hyphen hub. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you in there. And we will be back same time, same place next week as usual. We'll see you then. See you then. Bye. Oh, that was English. I know, I know. I feel let down, Laura. I feel let down. Oh, I'm going to have to go and have a cup of tea. Au revoir!